But here's a flyer. Do you need a miracle? There's hope. Join us for a night of healing with Kevin and Eddie Durant. What, what I'm, what Kevin and, and uh, Annie and Lisa and I are attempting to do is to bring them back on a monthly Friday night. Start having a healing night, one night every month. I, I, I'm, I, I want people who, who are, are in this city right now, and many of them doctors have said, there's no hope. And I want you and I to, to pray and reach out to them. Get them in here and let them hear the Word of God and let, let them get in a place where they can be prayed for. I don't know of another church in Apopka or Central Florida where you can go and, and, and someone will pray for you. And I want, a, I want a people to do that. So I had flyers made up. And I want you to take them and pray over where to take them. Um, so I'm going to lay these up here if you want to. When you come up and offer them, there's, there's a few outside. By Sunday, there will be several hundred of them out there. So, and I really want you to take them and, I mean, pass them out. I, you, know, um, you, when, when, you know, when you get around people, they're always looking at me going, I'll tell you what, I'm sick as a dog. Well... Okay, why don't you get prayed for? Amen. Now, you need to understand, most, a lot of people want prayer, but they don't want to go anywhere. The woman with the issue of blood left her house and went and found Jesus. It's one of the reasons she got what. So if they give you excuses, just understand something. They're, just, they're not going to get anything anyway, so don't, don't, don't worry about it. Look at them and say, if you want prayer and you really want to be healed, Get in, get in this meeting, okay? Because I know Annie has a real strong healing anointing on her. Um, and she got it from Kenneth e. Hagen, who had a real strong healing anointing. Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen and put his fingers in his hand and said, I'm giving you a healing anointing to minister to people. And so when someone has a, an anointing to do it, you, you want to be where that anointing is. Brother Hagen said, Jesus told him, you tell them I appeared to you. You tell them, I put my finger in your head. You tell them that if they believe this, they will be healed. That's pretty strong. That's pretty powerful. And uh, the Bible says that, that wherever Jesus went, that sometimes they were all healed. That's pretty good success rate. Amen. That's good. You know, God wants you well. You know, now you need to walk with God, but there's people who, they don't know God that well, but God still loves them and wants them well. Amen? So you ready to take up an offering? Father God, thank you for this evening. We ask you to bless this offering and everybody sows into this church. In Jesus' name, amen. chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to always have a good time. Mark 2. We're going to talk about healing. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about the goodness of God. 
We're going to talk about your in-laws and your outlaws and your relatives. Justin has been asked to help with the funeral of Ian, the boy he led to the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you the story a minute as I begin. Um, you saw the friend that Justin has, Ryan. He, has, he, met, he met Ryan when he was a young man, Justin did. But uh, Ryan is like a, a, a car guru. When I say that, not like Kenny Robinson. I'm talking the techie part of it. All of the junk in it that's electrical. And uh, so Justin called him because the, the Raptor was having an electrical problem. And, of course, Market had spent thousands of dollars to get the Ford dealership to fix it. And they were unable. So he, he sold the truck to Justin and said, well, you know, you may have this problem. Well, he did. He took it to Ryan. Ryan fixed it. Ryan's like a brains. He's like, you know, but he's one of these, you know, these people that they go into businesses and they fix all the, 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 the computer problems. They're like huge super brain people. Well, that's what Ryan is. So anyway, Justin has a habit of getting everybody he meets born again. Either that or you get an opportunity. So talking to Ryan one day, Ryan, he said, I want to borrow a Mustang. He said, well, I got a friend that has one. Because Ryan has like 10 cars. Ryan has so much money, he doesn't know what to do with it. I'm, when, he goes, when he goes out and buy a car, he pays cash for it. He just... I'm just trying to tell you a little bit. He's single. No, he's not single. He's got a girlfriend. We're going to get him married to this girl. Anyway, we've got a work to do. But um, so Ryan's one of these people that look at Justin and go, I got this pickup truck. Why don't you drive it for a week? Because it's just sitting in my yard. Well, there's like 10 cars sitting in his yard. They're all. He's got one of those new Ford trucks that's electric. And then he's got a 2500 and he's got a, he's got like everything. So he says, I got a friend who's got a, a Mustang and you can borrow it. Well, he went over there and found out the boy wasn't born again. So after Justin took the car back, he was going to pay him for it. Well, he led him to the Lord. Well, Ian went out last week and got in a motorcycle wreck and died. He'd only been a born again for like a month. And so his mother, who is a Christian, she said, we're going to have a good talk tonight. You, you, you need... You need to quit letting your relatives that are going to hell go to hell. Amen. Get over this. God's going to do it. He isn't. Well, y'all are exciting. Get with me here. There are people around us that are not saved. And, and we are going to go proactive on this. And you're going to become more proactive. And I don't mean that you're going to become a Jehovah Witness. Knocking on the doors of people who don't want to hear anything you have to say. I don't believe in that kind of mess. But I do believe in ministering to people who come up and say, I have a problem. They're asking for prayer. And everybody seems to have a lot of issues now. So we're going to talk about it tonight. Listen to this. Let's, let's, let's start off by reading Mark 2. Again, when he entered Capernaum, after some days, 
it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. And when they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. There's five people who believe God here, right? And when they could not come near that because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let on the bed which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, can you see faith? Yeah. Listen, your faith is visible. All faith is is acting on the Word of God, acting like the Bible's true. People are saying, increase my faith. Increase your obedience. That's all it is. Whatever you're not doing, you don't believe it. Amen. Thank you. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus with themselves, he said, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take your bed and walk? But that you will know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose um, in the presence of them, and they were amazed and glorified God, and we, and we never saw anything like this. Now hold your place here and go to John 20. John 20. I left my notes at home by accident, so I'm kind of running on memory right now, and the Holy Ghost is having to give me my notes back in my soul right now. All right, John 20. Let's, let's, let's start with, with um, 19. And the same day was evening, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And he said to them, Peace to you, and the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. I said this to you not too long ago, and it's a shock. What percentage of charismatic Christians have actually led anybody to the Lord? Two. Going all the world and preaching the gospel hasn't been taken. It's kind of like a great suggestion. Or let, let, let Jonathan Shuttlesworth and Billy Graham do the job. Amen. But there'd be a boy in hell if Justin hadn't taken seriously what Mark said to him. You need to start getting serious. We're, you're around people I'll never meet. Amen. Listen to the next statement. And he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is when they got born again, not Pentecost. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And you retain the sins of any, they're retained. That almost sounds blasphemous. Who are you to look at a person and tell them that their sins are forgiven? That's quite a statement. I'm going to let you sit there and soak on that for just a minute. But Jesus really meant what he said just there. So earlier we're reading about Jesus looking at that guy. I want you to understand something. 
when you were born again, you, you were more than just forgiven. But the forgiveness of forgiven means cancellation of debt. When, listen, you don't have, and I'm talking to Christians, you don't have a debt. It has been canceled. Now listen, sickness in your body is there because you're paying a debt that's been paid. I've gotten bills in the mail that I've already paid. And I'm not paying them again. I go get the receipts. I had a, I had a hospital in Athens, Georgia that wrote me letters monthly threatening lawsuits. I have a receipt. I paid it. Yo, yo, take me to court. A year later, a year later, they wrote back and went, oops. And I went, told you so. Threaten me. I could care less if you threaten me. I don't owe you a dime. Have you ever talked to the devil? I don't owe you a dime. I'm forgiven. I am the redeemed. There is no debt on me in Jesus' name. Do you understand that? And we've got to get we've got to get a mindset here that you are forgiven. God is not holding anything again. I'm talking to born again Christians. We'll talk in a minute about the lost, and we'll go down two different paths. Amen. But now, listen. I want to read something from T.L. Osborne's book. If you do not mind, I'm going to anyway. You can say Amen if you want to. Just just Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Um. Um, wow. It's very important that you understand that a lot of times when you're dealing with people who have sickness, the sickness is more spiritual than it is physical. Yours is too. I'm going to read a story from Dr. Osborne. A young lady in Europe ran away from her home and traveled across the ocean to Tulsa, Oklahoma, just to talk to Daisy, my wife, and me. From childhood, her parents told her she's stupid. She could not learn. She was unattractive. She could never get a job. She could never attract a husband. Do you think... You know, there's a saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. That's completely wrong. Your wor people's words can kill you. Your words can kill you. You know, if nobody likes you, you have to believe God does. God loves me. Say, God, he loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You don't want to mess with me because I'm his workmanship and he don't make no junk. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. Amen. Sometimes you just, if nobody's going to cheer you on, you might want to do it yourself. All right. Her, her parents said those things. The more they engraved in her subconscious, the more she acted out the part. The lady had always lived at home where she was dominated by a negative, destructive atmosphere. She became insecure, timid, withdrawn, and subject, sub 
subjected is what she said. Her father and mother, mother had succeeded in making a slave out of their own daughter simply by planting negative, destructive seeds in her mind. She was afraid to go on the street alone. The only work she ever did was scrubbing floors. She had been stupid. If she had been as stupid as her parents told her she was, she'd have never pondered a trip to America to see Daisy and I. She had to secretly get her own passport, visa, and arrange for her own ticket. She was not dull-witted or unintelligent. She was just emotionally starved. She had been mentally devastated by cruel parents who were transferring their own self-hatred to the closest victim they could reach, their own daughter. You and I live in a society where people, listen to me very carefully, just they don't like themselves. And they figure that if they could blow your candle out, it'll make theirs brighter. And they've always got something ugly to say to you. I got a pastor friend that calls me Pastor Bubba. Well, you know, I was in a room one day and he was in there. It's, it's, derog it's, der it's derogatory, you redneck. I'm not a redneck, you moron. <laughs> and so Mark Hankins saw that it made me mad, and Mark looked at him and said, why did you let that guy, what he said, bother you? Well, it used to. I ain't your bubba, dude. And he said, just call him shorty, because he is. He's real short. <laughs> so Mark looked at him and just called him shorty all night and laughed at him. And he looked at me and said, start laughing at people when they criticize you. Come on, I'm preaching better than you, amen, and already. Listen, Rosa, just listen to that. Just, well, you can be short if you want to. Rosa's the last one that knows it's raining. Anyway, I'm going to tell you something fantastic about short people. When they fall, they'd never get hurt. The ground is not that far away. It's just not. It's tall people who are always having pain when they fall, you know. So Rosa falls, nothing ever happens. She just, she just bounces back up, amen. Now listen to this. Whether your words are positive or negative, they're seeds. They will produce in your listeners the type of people you yourself are. Your words are seed, and they engender the people, the character of whatever you say, Whatever you sow in the mind of people listening to you in your family, you're, you're going to personally reap it. It is impossible to negate that law. When God, when Jesus looked at this man, all he said, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. God's not mad at you. Your sins are gone. And he got up. A doctor one time, a psychologist said, if, you, if people in hospitals could feel forgiven, 90% of them would get up and go home. A lot of the issues we're dealing with today are the image that you've allowed the world around you and people's talk and what the devil has said to paint a picture on the inside of you that many times is very negative. Say no more. 
Come on, we're going to talk about it. We're going we're gonna to do good tonight. All right. We took that little lady into our private prayer chamber and showed her love, esteem, and compassion. We could see that behind her emotionally scarred face was a brilliant, lovely lady who wanted to be somebody in life. She was extremely perceptive. She grabbed statements that lifted her like a drowning person grabs a rope. Her mouth and her faith twitched and grimaced uncontrolled as she talked. Her head and shoulders twisted involuntarily. Her whole body reflected her emotional state. What caused that? Words. Words. And she came to see T.L. and Daisy. What did they do? They just read the Bible. God loves you. You're valuable. God paid a high price for you. You're a beautiful woman. You're a smart woman. You're blessed. And she was healed hearing words. Say me too. Well, I'm just getting cranked up tonight. I'm doing good. That young woman stood in our prayer room, looked up to God, and tears rolled down her cheeks. I asked her to confess out loud. I am created in God's likeness. I am somebody important in God's eyes. He believes in me. He loves me. He needs me. I'm a part of his plan. God loves me so much, he loves me as much as he does anybody. Boy, that's good. That's good. All right, let me read some more. This is what God says. I love you. I created my best when I created you. I paid a price for you, and you're worth everything I paid for you. I have destined my best for you. That's good words, isn't it? That's good words. Let's read another one. I'm created in the image of God to be like him, to manifest him in human form. I am made for life, for love, for power, prosperity, success, progress, dignity, and divinity. You can accept yourself as being created in God's image, can you? Listen to this statement. Psalm 8. God made you a little lower than angels. Original Hebrew. God. God. What did God have for Adam and Eve in the garden? Good. Good. They weren't sick. When Jesus came, we see the perfect will of God in action. And he healed how many? Oh. And how many of them were Christians? There wasn't a righteous man among them. If that's true for a sinner, what about you and I? Does God want good for you? Does he want you to be well? Say, I'm forgiven. Amen. I'm not done yet. I'm just getting started. You see yourself in God's image. Realize that you were never created to be poor, unhappy, dominated, manipulated, abused, shamed, or walked on. You know, people do not like being walked on. It is a form of rebellion, but it's a good form. Don't treat me like dirt. I mean, I am not. 
Now, you can be nice while people are ugly to you. Just learn to be nice. Don't do what I do. You're created in God's class of being to walk and talk and live and reign with Him in life. He designed you for abundance, nobility, and His kingdom. Nothing can stop or limit you once you discover that. All right, I'm going to read one more. This is just good. I'm just going to read out of the book, just reading some good stuff to you. As you become aware of these facts, you will decide to stop condemning yourself. Your self-destruction. No longer beat yourself with accusing negative thoughts and confession. No one has the right to destroy or disparage what God has created in his own image, not even you. You know, I make mistakes every day. They don't define me, and they don't define you. What does God what he did defines you, not the stuff you do or don't do. God is working with us to get us where he wants us to be, and he knew that when you were born again. He knew what he was getting, a lot of raw material. Then he sent you to church here and said, get, here's some raw material, Pastor Darrell. And I've seen some, some wonderful miracles in this place. Now, I want to read another story before I read the other story that I want to read. So just kind of hold, hold your hat here. Because I want to talk to you about the way you and I view life, the way we view life. On the western plains of America, a new immigrant family arrived in town, and they, they halted their wagon by a farmer's house and said, what kind of people live around here? The old farmer said, well, newcomer, what kind of people lived in the country where you're from? The immigrant said, It's terrible. They were crooks, liars, deceivers, dishonest people everywhere. The businessmen were crooked. The officials are worse than what we left that place to find a brand new world. Well, the farmer said, I expect that the kind of people that you'll find around here are just like the ones that you left behind. <laughs> crooked liars and old nine yards. Oh, the immigrant replied. It was a fine, except the wise old farmer said, the next day, another load of immigrants arrived, stopped to talk to the farmer, and they wanted to know what kind of people settled in that area. The wise old farmer said, well, newcomer, what kind of people lived in the old country where you came from? Oh, the immigrant replied, it was a fine land. We had fine neighbors. Our merchants were honorable. People cared for each other. It was hard to leave them. We thought that we could bring some of our good out west and help build this great nation. Well, sir, the farmer said, you're going to be mighty happy here. I think you'll find the same kind of people out here. Was he lying? No, because you see in others what you see in yourself. You know, when everything stinks, you might have the, it might be under your nose. <laughs> the person who does not trust anyone else is probably not trustworthy. If we believe we're bad, we believe everybody else is bad. You're really, you're really just pushing an image that you have of yourself. You can find fault anywhere. You can find good. It really depends on what you are looking for. Amen. All right, now we're going to love book. I got books tonight, y'all. I mean, I got some. Henry Drummond said, you'll find if you think for a moment, the people who influence you are people who believe in you. You know, everybody wants somebody to believe in them. You know, Tom Colvin told me something one time. He said, never... He said, if you have to correct someone, always place it between two slices of praise. 
Well, there are times when you do have to say something to somebody. But if all you're ever doing is saying something negative all the time, you really just need to shut up. You're just a nag. Okay, never mind. All right. Henry Drummond said, you'll find the moment the influence, in an atmosphere of suspicion, men shrivel up. But in a trusting atmosphere, they expand and find encouragement and educated fellowship. The possession of it is the greatest secret of personal influence. So go back to the story of Jesus walking in there and the guy comes in crippled and he goes, you're forgiven. God loves you. You're forgiven. And the guy went, I'm forgiven. Oh, glory to God. And he got up and had a good day. What does God really think about you? Do you understand that Jesus is what he thought about you? I mean, he already knew you were a mess, but he fixed that. I got another one I got to read here. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When you walk out here tonight, do not condemn yourself that you have not arrived. Yeah, Zach and I said good. Listen, my book, and, and, and I don't know why Lisa keeps writing in my book, but it says Daryl Morgan. Lisa and I have this bad habit of picking up each other's books, and she marks mine and I mark hers. And she goes, and she, she goes, she goes, I want that book. It's got all my marks in it. It's my book. I do mark up my book. Well, I, I marked up one of hers too, so anyway. Love is not easily provoked. It's not irritable or touchy. Rough or hostile. Kind of hard to read this, isn't it, for me? Thinks no evil does not keep account of wrongs. <laughs> you want me to keep going? Yeah. Love does not rejoice in iniquity and find satisfaction in the shortcoming of everyone else. Let me tell you something. It's the easiest thing in the world to, to just find the negative all the time. I'm not talking about someone marking up your book. I mean, we, that's it. If that's the worst thing she does, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Amen. In truth, aggressively advertising the good, love bears all things, defends, holds other people up. Love believes the best about others, credits them with good intentions. That, that's not easy to do. You're going, like I was starting to say when I, when I got myself in trouble. Lisa and I have found that only keeping this book close has helped us because it's easy to forget it. Your emotions are pretty strong. All right, there's another one in here. Um, but Lisa and I, as a matter of fact, we quote this book to each other in love with kindness. Well, there's another one in here. But anyway, anyway, I've got to find it. Yeah, I won't. I have another book. Y'all ready for another book? Now, this is the Mac Daddy story. This story helped me an enormous amount. I read it to Lisa this morning. I, I, I've read this to Lisa. Lisa and I have coffee every morning, and 
And um, she asked me one day, uh, someone said, do you, does coffee wake you up? And I went, no, I wake up for coffee. <laughs> if she's cooking coffee in there, I get out of bed. I smell like cooking. You know? The other day, Chloe was talking about you need to give all your vices to God. And I went, no. <laughs> no, Chloe, I'm not giving that one to God. I knew she meant well, but um, there are some things that we're just, it's the only sin I have left. <laughs> Other than finding fault with Lisa every once in a while. The lady came to Paul Youngie Cho. This is a powerful book, The Fourth Dimension, and I'm going to say something. I highly recommend you get one of these books to read. One of the best books I've ever read. Let me tell you about another incident. One day I was in my office. A lady about 50 years came in crying, Pastor, my home is completely destroyed and broken. Stop crying, I said, and tell me about it. You know we have several sons, but only one daughter. She has become a hippie. Now, that's funny to me. <laughs> a Korean bell-bottom hippie. I just can't imagine that. It's just a Japanese, oh, hippie. You know, I just don't know. It's just funny to me. Okay, she has become a hippie. She sleeps with friends of my husband and with friends of my sons, going from this hotel to that hotel and from this dance hall to that dance hall. She's become a shame to our family, she cried. My husband cannot go to the office. My boys are dying of embarrassment, and now they're all going to leave home. I've tried everything. I've cried to the Lord to strike her dead. Oh, Pastor Cho, what can I do? I'm just reading. Don't be so judgmental. Just let me finish the story. Okay. Stop whining and crying. Don't tell me you hadn't prayed for some relatives and in-laws. Get them, God, you know. If not, politicians, right? Stop whining and crying, I said. Now I can see clearly why God would not answer your prayer. You're presenting the wrong kind of a mental blueprint to God. In your mind, you're always submitting just the picture of a prostitute, aren't you? She restored yes, and that's what she is. She's a prostitute. How many of you got relatives that are like, definitely not saved? We're going to pray for them in a minute. That's what we're in here to do tonight. I'm in here that we're going to go after some lost people tonight. Well, if you want to see her change, you're going to have to submit another mental blueprint, I said. You're going to clean the canvas of your imagination, and you're going to draw a brand new picture. She rejected that idea and said, I can't. She's dirty, she's ugly, and she's wretched. Stop talking like that. Let's draw a new picture. Let's bring to mind another kind of spotted and speckled tree. You kneel down right here, and I'm going to kneel with you, and we're going to go to the foot of Calvary. And let's lift up our hands and look at Jesus dying on the cross, bleeding and beaten up. Why is he hanging there? Because of your daughter. Let's put your daughter right behind Jesus Christ. Let's see your daughter through the spotted and the speckled cross. Can't you see your daughter forgiven, cleansed, and born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and completely changed? Can you draw that picture through the blood of Jesus? This is a good story. I'm, I'm the whole night's around this one story. This is, oh, pastor, yes, she said. 
Now I see differently. Through Jesus, through the cross, I can change my image about my daughter. Now listen, we're, we're not pretending that she's not lost. We're not pretending that this is okay. We're going to do something about it on a positive note. And we'll get into the more of this in a minute. Wonderful, wonderful, I said. I'm going to draw a new picture of your daughter. Keep that clear-cut, vivid, graphic picture in your mind day and night. And the Holy Spirit can use you. His language is carried in dreams and visions. We know that if we're drawing the right kind of picture, when we're coming to the foot of the cross, we knelt down and we prayed, Oh, Lord, now you see this picture. Dear Holy Spirit, flow into this new image, this new vision, this new dream. Change and do miracles. And I sent that mother out, and as she was leaving, she was all smiles. There's no more crying, for the image of her daughter had changed. One Sunday, a few months later, I maybe start crying. I get pretty emotional. She suddenly walked into my office and brought a beautiful young lady with her. Who is the young lady, I asked. That's my daughter, she said. Did God answer you? Oh, yes, he did. And she told the story. One night, her daughter had been sleeping in a hotel with a man. In the morning she woke up, she felt dirty and wretched. She felt a great unhappiness in her spirit and a deep desire to return home. But she was frightened. She's scared of her parents and her brothers. Nevertheless, she decided to risk it and said to herself, I'll try one more time. If they kick me out, it will be my last attempt. She went to her parents' home, rang the bell, her mother came out, and she saw her daughter. Her countenance lit up as if the sun was rising on her face. She greeted her daughter, welcome daughter, and rushed out and hugged her. The daughter was absolutely overwhelmed by the love of her mother, and she crumbled and cried. Her mother had prayed. The image of her daughter was entirely changed. She had welcomed her daughter on the spot, open arms of love. I'm going to go on. Do you understand there's more going on here? We're going to get into a minute into Jesus and the sinners. Because when he came, there wasn't a righteous person anywhere. Now, you know, I read something T.L. said. If you say, I love God, you have to love the people he loves. It's not enough to I love God, but how you treat the people that he died for is huge. Now, let me tell you something. This changed my attitude about some people I know. Lisa and I have a word in our home. When we have someone we don't like, we will often say, well, let's kill them <laughs> with kindness. And we have people we know. We won't mention names. But we will go out of our way. The, the meaner, the uglier they are. To be, we treat them like their own fire for God. We find that not a lot of people do that. We were in Tennessee the other day, and we went into a place to get what we went in. We didn't go in there. We went in looking for apple pie and ice cream. Let me tell you something about when you're on vacation 
and you're in cold weather, apples, hot apple cider and apple pie and ice cream just seem to be the thing. I don't mean that we eat it all the time, but it is, never mind. Not a lot of apples in Florida, you know, never mind. So we went in this store, and there's a girl in there that looked at Lisa and said to her, do I know you? And Lisa goes, we don't, we don't know you. She says, no, you, I know you. Well, Lisa has a niece that looks exactly like Lisa. Her brother David's daughter looks almost like, she looks like she could be Lisa's daughter, literally. And the funny thing is she married a Morgan. So they both have the same last name as Morgan. And so when they go places, people go, well, it's obvious this is your daughter. And it's Lisa Morgan and Anna Morgan. Anyway, it's a different Morgan. We came from Morgan the pirate. We don't know what Morgan he came from. <laughs> but anyway, this girl, we, we, we were talking to her about the Lord. And it turns out that, we, that Lisa knows her. And she's an outcast in the community by the Christians. They've already decided she's not. So Lisa asks, are you going to come to a certain event? She goes, I'm, I'm, I won't be there. I'm not allowed. Religion is the biggest dammer of souls. When she was young, she was wild, granted. But she said to us, I know I'm an old sinner, but, but, but I've already prayed and made Jesus Lord of my life. Well, I gave her a big hug and a huge tip. She said, I don't own a phone. I don't have enough money to buy a phone. And I gave her, a, I mean, she, I, we gave her a tip, and then I gave her a big, giant, whopping tip. But, you know, think about this for a minute. Here she's living in a, a community of Christians, and she's alone because no one will have anything to do with this wretched little thing because of the way she acted when she was a teenager. This is sadder. This, Christians sometimes are worse than just plain old heathen. I'm doing a better job than y'all, amen, and I'm making you think, though, aren't I? Okay. All right, let me see where I went. The daughter was absolutely overwhelmed by the love of her mother, and she crumbled and cried. Her mother prayed, and the immature daughter was shyly she, she welcomed her daughter on the spot and opened wide her arms of love. Her mother brought her to church for a period of two to three months. She listened to the sermons, confessed her sins, gave her heart to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and became an absolutely new creation in Christ, and eventually found a wonderful husband. The, this daughter has now three children of her own and is one of the foremost home cell leaders in my church. She's a burning evangelist. And all of this happened because her mother changed her vision, her dream, and her image of her daughter. That's a powerful story. Yes. Dr. Cho was talking about how you, how you um, imagine people and how you, when you're praying for people and, and the way. You understand, we're not talking about it's okay to live like hell, but they already know they live like hell. Yes. 
What they're starving for is love. And love does not mean that you agree with them. Okay. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. People are drawn to love. They're drawn to it. Now, in a minute, we will take a few minutes and talk about when it's appropriate to talk about hell. There's a scripture in Jude that said, some win with compassion and others with what? What does it say, Liz? With fear. With fear. Some people, you, you literally need to scare the hell out of them. Because I need you to understand this. If they dropped stone cold dead, they are going to hell. And you can't walk around pretending it isn't so and pretending like it's not your responsibility to pray. You can't do that. You're a light everywhere you go. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things are of God, or all of these things, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, what is that? What is the ministry of reconciliation? That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Read with me. Not imputing their trespasses to them and committed to us the word of reconciliation. Let's go back to the girl in Tennessee. It, it makes me want to go up there and start a church. I mean, it really does. It just makes you want to go. It, it makes me start teaching people. This, this girl is starving for love. And the, and, 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 and the church is damning her soul to hell and thinking that it's God. It's not God. Now, I mean, it doesn't bother me to walk in and grab a young lady that had a child out of wedlock and give her a big hug and a big tip and tell her I love her and pray for her. And when we go back up there, I'm going to go get me another blueberry muffin and give her another tip. Because she, she needs somebody to care. How much do you think it would help her if she could just walk in a church and people would just love her? She'd stay. She'd get a Bible. She'd grow. Listen, I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I knew they were stupid. I don't need you to tell me. God don't need no police department. Let me tell you what you did wrong today. Shut up. <laughs> you know why we do that? We think if we blow their candle out, it makes ours brighter. You see what they did? That was dumb. Well, you, well you've done some pretty stupid stuff yourself. <laughs> God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing 
their trespasses to them and has committed to us, I'm going to use the word exact, the exact same word. You meet, you'll meet mean people, but they don't, it's not you they hate, they hate their self. I'm going to tell you something that will make you mad. God loves Muslims. I don't agree with the war. And there's people right now dropping down into hell wicked fast. Now, I'm not God. But I've been places and preached the gospel. People who know they're sinners are the easiest people in the world to get saved. Christians are harder than sinners. Never mind. Oh boy. Now then, we are an ambassador for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what Justin did with Ian, Ian the other day. He looked at him and said, he just looked at him and said, do you know the Lord? And he goes, well, I don't know what he said to him. It's almost always something like, well, I'm trying to be, or I believe in God, or they don't, they don't know. Nobody ever told them. You know why you don't witness? You're scared to death they're going to reject you. You get over whether people like you or not. If God loves you, it don't matter what they think. I've had people don't like me. It's okay. I'm doing the best I can with me. And I'm doing more with all my stupidity than you are doing in, in your intelligence, so leave me alone. <laughs> are you all out there? Listen, listen, listen. I've got people that don't like me, and I'm okay with it. If they don't like me, they have a problem because I'm really a fine fellow. And so are you. You don't get your worth by whether someone rejects you or not. If they get all mad at you and upset at you. You know, I'm kind of a bold person. Did you know that people don't like that? It's okay, though. You know, because us bold people, we're just, we're like diamonds. We're real, we're real rare. And that makes us way more valuable than you. And since all cowards are going to hell anyway, I think I'll just stay bold. There's nothing wrong. Why does, why does everybody think? Can you imagine if all there was was just one kind of rabbit and maybe one mouse and one bird? What a boring planet this would be. But he made rabbits and squirrels. And God knows what he was thinking when he made a skunk. I have questions for God. What were you thinking? They stink. God, they stink. I got sprayed by a skunk when I was a boy. Nobody let me in the house for weeks. Slept outside. Everyone rejected me. It's a good thing it was summertime. They would have never let me in school. But you ever think about animals? God didn't want a rabbit to look like a squirrel. They're not supposed to, rabbits aren't supposed to climb trees. God made you the way you are. You're not supposed to look, walk, talk, and act like everybody else. You just be the best you you can be. They quit worrying about the way somebody, God made someone else. They might, listen, there are people who come to my church and listen to me because I'm crazy. 
that would be you. And I'm telling you, there's mild-mannered preachers in this town that I think are just tiny Tim, tiptoe through the tulips. But there's people in those churches that are going to go to heaven because they like tiny Tim. I can't handle that. Never mind. But I leave them alone because God called them and they belong to God. And if, and if God loves them, then we just, listen, quit trying to change your personality and everybody else is around you. People come to me all the time. You know, Joel Osteen says it this way. Well, I'm not Joel Osteen. Well, John Hagee does it this way. I'm not John Hagee. Some of you have noticed that. We used to have prayer meetings for me. They gave up. They quit. <laughs> you too. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin, that you might be made the very righteousness of God. Well, he made you. You'll never be more righteous than you are right now. You're already righteous enough to go to heaven. How much more are you waiting on to become perfect so you can get God to love you? You can't get him to love you any more than he already does. Think about this. If he loves you, what else is there? I wake up in the morning and go, God is good and he loves me. You need, somebody needs to tell you. Somebody needs to talk good to me. I've decided it might just be me. Well, I just quote a few scriptures. You know, all, every one of us have a certain degree of guilt temperature. We all have it. We know we're not all that. We all do. We believe the junk everyone says about us. When are you going to believe what God said about you? It's a good point. Yeah, it is a good point. I like better thinking about what he thinks about me than what you think about me. Why don't you think a lot about what he thinks? He says he loves you as much as he does Jesus. That's pretty powerful. All right. Let's look at another one. Go to, go to, go to John 3.16. For God so loved this world, not the dirt, not the earth, not the planet, people, that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. And he didn't send you in there to condemn it either. Well, you ought to see y'all's faces right now. Some of you are happy. Some of you are just looking like. Number one, quit condemning you. There is no condemnation to those in Christ. You don't have any damnation on you. God ain't even mad at you. Why don't you quit being mad at you? You know the person that's the hardest on me? Me? I had to quit. I had to raise a right flag and look and say, Daryl, shut up. 
Some of y'all need to look in the mirror and go, you're forgiven, and I forgive you for being dumb. <laughs> Lisa will tell you this. When I make a mistake, don't tell me about it. I'm more aware of it than you are. You know, when you do something in public Sunday morning real stupid, I can't change churches. <laughs> I've thought about it. I'll never go back there again. I embarrassed myself out of my, you know. And it's hard to come back in next week and preach like I've done no wrong. But I've had to really convince myself, God got over it, now you do too. Get up there and preach the word. Are y'all out there to go home? Listen, sometimes the person you need to work on in forgiveness is you. Amen. John 3, 16, let's go. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believes in him is not damned. He that believes not is damned when? Right this minute. And they know it. There is a time. There's a time to bring it up. And we're talking about when they're self-righteous. There's a time to bring up there's a hell. I was reading this by Tony Cook. Now I've gone from one, two, three books to a phone. Now you know I'm making progress. When I start reading from a phone, that's kind of youthy, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's really good. I mean, so Tony Cook writes this. I had the pleasure of visiting the grave of one of America's greatest preachers, Jonathan Edwards. Thank you, Eddie, for driving me. Ed, Edwards has been a long one of my heroes. His name is linked inseparably with America's Great Awakening. After the video, I'll share the reflections of, but, but anyway, his famous sermon that he preached, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, you, you've never heard that preached in America at all. Because we've actually gotten to the place where we don't even hardly believe in hell. Well, there's a hell. And we have to, and so Tony Cook goes on and starts reminding the people that, that he was preaching to people who were lost and needed to have a good revelation that, you know, one, one false step, Ian was one month from dead and going straight to hell. That's a serious thought. The people, you need to look at people that are not saved. And I don't mean with, the, with a condemning attitude, but you need to look at them and go, I work with people that are going to hell, and it ain't funny. And no one's praying for them. It's serious that Jesus paid their debt and no one has even cared to share Jesus with them at all. Justin said, he walked in my office a while ago, didn't know what I was preaching. He said, I prayed for three people today. I'm, I am proud of my son. He's turned out a lot like his dad. I've gotten people born again Everywhere I have ever worked, you walk up to me and go, I'm having a problem. I'm going, let's pray. I mean, every question, the answer is Jesus. 
my kids are messed up. I'll open up that book and read it to them. Well, how do you treat your kids? Do you treat them like they're hellions? Do you talk to them like they're stupid? Do you tell them they're idiots? And how do you treat your kids? Sometimes it's the parent. Now that we've talked about your kids, we're going to pray for them. Let's talk about you. Do you know Jesus? Well, I'm a, I go to church. I didn't ask you if you went to church. My grandmother's a Christian. That means you're not. If Listen, if, if someone says, are you married, and you come up with, I've been to a wedding and all, you, no, you're not. No one has ever forgotten the day they got married, and nobody's ever forgotten the day they got born again. If the answer is not yes, they aren't. And you can rest. They don't know how. They, they, they assume it's by going to church and being good. They assume that because no one's ever told them. No one's ever told them. I started Ambassador School of Ministry for one reason, to teach you to minister. You ought to get in it. Why, it takes time. No joke. Learn something. Amen. You you, you went to eight years of education that all the books they taught you, they threw them in the trash because they're worthless now, and you paid a lot of money to learn nothing. And and some of y'all have a degree, and you're not even using it. You ought to take at least nine months, one hour. Never mind, I'm preaching to the choir. Anyway, get in school. Amen. So let me, let me tell you how it all began with me. It, held, it started with two things. One was a man that was working on my cabin, and he called me and said, I will not be in. He was, he was my plumber. He said, I won't be in. My father is in the hospital dying of, and he told me the name of the disease. And I know this is a good Christian Assemblies of God boy, young man. I know he's a Christian. And I said, is your father saved? And he said, well, I hope he is. And I'm going, wrong answer. Your dad is dying, and you don't know if he's saved or not. Have you ever asked him? No. I said, do you even know how to get him born again? No. How long have you been going to church? All my life. That was one of the biggest shocks to me. And I went, well, don't get off the phone. Forget about my plumbing job, and I'm going to sit. And I opened up John 3, 16, what I just read to you, and I read it to him, and I said, you walk in that hospital, and you read John 3, 16 through 21, and you look at him and say these words, no one goes to hell for sin and dad. Have you ever made Jesus Lord of your life? Have you ever prayed and asked him to be the Lord of your life? Have you ever trusted in his blood? And he said, well, okay. I said, and then lay hands on him and pray for his healing. I thought, well, I'm not going to get into that. That's too much to teach you in one day. Just get him saved. So he hung up the phone, called me about three days later and said, you can come back and do the plumbing job. And I said, by the way, how's your father? And he said, Oh, he said, the most amazing thing. I went in and did what you said. I read that scripture. My dad prayed the sinner's prayer, and then he just got up and went home. When he got born again, God healed his body because his sins are not. Listen, God is a good God. Amen. And and that excited me, and I thought, I should teach more people that. 
You should learn it. It's simple. I learned it because when I got born again, 21 years of age, or 22, I was very mad at the church for a short while. Why has no one ever told me this? The night I walked in the crusade, Ernest Ainsley preached, God loves you. And then I saw a boy get healed, and I went, I want that. And God healed me, and I went forward and got born again, went home that night and rolled a joint to celebrate being saved. But I was upset. All the Christians I've met in my life, and I've met a lot. I went to the First Baptist Church my whole boyhood, Christmas and Easter, just like some of y'all did. And then training union during, the, and then well, vacation Bible school. You know what vacation Bible school is? It's a place to get rid of the kids. That's where I learned John 3, 16. But I can't remember one human being ever explaining the gospel. I remembered one time in the Baptist church, and I'm not picking on Baptist. This one may be different than others. I got under conviction, and I went forward that Sunday at the end of the service to talk to the pastor, and he gave me a box of tithe envelopes. And I went home, and I looked at him, and I, I think I put a dollar in one. And, and all they had to do was have someone up there to pray with me. I could have saved myself a lot of trouble if you'd have just told me about Jesus when I was a kid. Please forgive me, but I, I, get, I get aggravated with I get aggravated with preachers more than I do anybody on this planet. You're just goofy, goofy people. Preach the truth. People want it. They want to know the truth. Amen. So an, another one, another one was how. That was your ex. Um, and, and you don't mind, I wanna, I'm going to tell this story of how. You don't mind that? Um, your daughter looked at me and said, my dad is dying of cancer in the hospital. But he wants to know if you'll come visit him. Well, listen to me. If someone who's dying and not saved calls you, there's hope in them. Do you understand? There's something there they, they may not know it, but they know where the answer is. And you better be ready when you walk in. Don't go in there goofy and say, do you believe in God? The devil believes in God, you goofy thing. I just said something really ugly to you. I, said that. I get tired of Christians who just talk stupid when they talk the gospel. Do you believe in God? The devil believes in God. Okay, so I walked in the hospital that night, and Hal is there, and I'm telling you, he's terrified. He's dying, and he's going to hell, and he knows it. And, and I mean, you want to talk about hopelessness on the face of a man. I've never seen anybody more hopeless looking than that man when I walked in that hospital room. But I walked in full of joy. I'm not losing my joy because you lost yours. So is that all right with y'all? Okay. 
So I, I walked in there and I said, good evening. I said, what's with you? And he goes, well, I'm dying of cancer and I'm going to hell. I said, in 30 minutes, you'll be on your way to heaven. And it made him mad. And he looked at me and said, well, how dare you say that to me? That in 30 minutes, I'll be on my way to heaven. I've had a lot of people talk to me about Jesus, and I don't believe it. I said, what is it you don't believe? He said, I don't understand it. I said, how? I don't either. And he went, you don't? I said, no. Nobody ever said we had to understand it. How? And he said, well, how do you know? I said, you called me. You know what that means to me? You're a believer and don't know it. You got hope in you and you just don't know it. And I opened up John 3, 16, what I just read to you, and I said, read it yourself. He said, okay. But God so loved the world. That's you, Hal. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And, it, and let, me, let me just read it to you. Let me just read it. I don't want to misquote it right now. I read it thousands of times, and I get. He, that did, he did not send his son into the world to condemn you. How? God's not damning you. He's not mad at you. You're not going to hell for sinning. He's already died on the cross for you and paid your debt. Now, you know, that's the first time anyone ever said that to that man. I learned it from the Lord. I never heard it myself. All the Christians I ran around with were Pentecostals, and they told me I was going to hell because I cut my grass on Sunday. Pentecostal don't know who's going to heaven and hell. That he that believes that might be saved. He who believes in him is not damned. He that believes not is damned now. I said, how? You're damned to hell. He said, I know it. I said, but you do believe Jesus died on the cross for you, don't you? I didn't ask him if he believes. I told him he did. Sometimes if you don't have any faith, they might need yours. And he looked at me and said, I do. I do believe that. And I opened to Romans 10, 9, and 10. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. How grabbed my hand. I'm, I'm glad I'm saying this because she needs to hear this again. I, I thought he was going to break my fingers. I mean, he grabbed my hand so hard. I, I, I mean, it was like a man holding on to a rope that if he let go, he'd drop into hell right there. I said, let's pray. He said, oh, God, I do believe Jesus died for me on that cross. And I watched eternal life hit his spirit. And he sat there and started laughing in the Holy Ghost and started, and joy hit his spirit, man. Total heathen. And all he needed was to pray one simple prayer. Folks, everybody you know is one prayer away from going to hell. And he looked at me and said, 
there's a demon that's been sitting in my room for days waiting for me to die. And when you prayed, he left. And there's a man don't even believe in God, but he saw a demon in the room. Well, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. I got you for, it's past time, but I went back to the hospital and they, they checked him out and I said, they sent him to your house. And he looked at me and he, when I, I went over there and he said, I've had the greatest miracle I've ever had in my life. I said, what is it? He said, my family has forgiven me. They opened their arms and they welcomed him. And they should have. He said, that's the greatest miracle. I said, you ready to get filled with the Holy Ghost? He said, no, I'm just a heathen. I said, you are not. Shut up. It took me about 15 minutes. When I left there, he was praying in tongues. I left there, and then I came back, and he was wearing Ohio. And he called me one night about 5 o'clock, and he said, Pastor, I want to go home. I said, you are home. He goes, no, I don't want to be here anymore. He said, I'm trying to get someone up here to pray with me that I can go home and be with Jesus tonight. I said, okay, you want to go tonight? He said, yes. So we prayed phone rang in the morning. I think she called me and says, how went home last night? Might have been a little different if I hadn't gone. I'm making a plea to you. I, I've kind of I've had to change even some things in myself when I read that story a while ago about my own kids, my own grandkids, my own family. They need somebody to believe in them. Well, it's going to be me. Lisa and I are going back up Tennessee. I'm going back deer hunting again. So if you want to know if I caught anything, they're not fish. <laughs> I know you think we catch them, but you know, they don't, they catch a bullet, but you don't. So anyway, so I'm taking Lisa with me because if I don't get nothing, she will. I hunt, she shops. But um, she's got family up there. And um, she'll get mad at me when I tell her. They've gotten kind of religious. And they need a hunk, a hunk of love. So we're going to do Thanksgiving with them Friday. Lisa's flying up to be with them. And we're just going to run around the room and just pour love on everybody. And they're all, they're all Christians. enough said but they don't know the love of God they know religion but they don't know the love of God I want you to know the love of God there's a prayer in Ephesians that we would know the love length, width, height if you love God we have to start, we have to start loving people we have to start loving people I want you to do something right now I'm, it's 820 I'm 5 over I want you to think about somebody right now that you know needs Jesus. They're in your family. I'm thinking about your family. And I want you to do what Dr. Cho did with that woman. I want you to see them saved. I want you to see them washed in the blood. I want you to pray that way. The devil's not powerful enough to take them to hell. 
prayers of a righteous man or woman avails, makes tremendous power available. What we've done is we've prayed wrong. Our kids are hellions. That's not helping God out. God, you already paid their debt. It's time for them to have a revelation of your love. It's time for them to come face to face with the love of God. It might be you, it might not. There is a time to talk to people about heaven and hell. That's, but you got to be wise. There's a time to look at people and go, <laughs> you might want to think about there's a hell to show. I've told some people that. Father God, I'm going to close this night out by praying with everybody in this room right this minute. There are some of them need to come to the healing meetings. Some of them need to walk in this church. It's not that we're the only church in town, but it's the best one I know of. They need to be in here. They, they need, but they need Jesus. I'm praying for you to use us tonight when we walk out of this building for us to take what we learned here tonight and actually use it. Get an image. Begin praying over our family members. Begin seeing them in the finished condition of what it'll be like when they come out of darkness. What they need more than anything in the world is like the man when I started and Jesus looked at him and said, you're forgiven. When I looked at Hal that night, Father said, Hal, you've already been forgiven. I told him that before he was actually born again, but he was. And I read a scripture tonight, Father, the sins we remit. We can't remit them, but we can tell them you did. We can show them what you did. Many of them have come out of darkness into light. Now right now, I want you to start thanking God for the salvation of your Father, thank you for their salvation. Thank you for the people in my family. Thank you. And when, I, when we get around them, we're going to treat them. We're going to treat them like you would. You didn't come to condemn anybody, and, and we will not either. We give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm done. Amen. Say, we're going to see people come out of darkness to light. Amen. Thanks for letting me tell that story again. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.